This is a crowd podcast. I can tell you this. There is no feeling in the world like putting a child back in the arms of its parents. No feeling. I've delivered my own children with my own hands. And the feelings I get giving somebody back their kids are stronger than the feelings I got delivering my own children. And that's God's truth. Okay, this is a bit different. In this episode, we get to find out if Casey is telling the truth, if one of his stories adds up. Because we're going to hear from someone he actually rescued. This is the job which KC says turned him into an American vigilante. You know, when I started all this, it never meant to become what it's become. Now, if you haven't heard episode one, I really encourage you to. But I'll give you a super brief overview of the first story Casey ever told me. It was about him rescuing three children. The ages were under 10 years old for the girls and the boy was just over 10. They were in a mobile home park being ready to be sold into white slavery. It took him five days, but he located them in a busy trailer park in one of the southern states. Then one night, he broke into one of the trailers. I took the first guy out as he came out the bedroom door, broke his wrist, smashed his face in the door frame. The second guy was already coming up and I grabbed his wrist and I just yanked him as hard as I could and his head crashed into the wall in the hallway there. In the trailer, he found two of the children. I picked them up in my arms, carried them out of the trailer. Then in another, close by, he found the third. I was able to go over there and break the sliding glass door and I got her out of that trailer. And uh, I was able to reunite all three of the children with their father made a big impact on my life about getting children back when they're taken away from their families. You know, it's not an exaggeration to say I've actually lost sleep over this. Just wondering if he's really telling me the truth, whether he's been making the whole thing up. Now, for the first time, I've got the chance to speak to someone else. Now, I do need to tell you, this episode includes moments which are really upsetting. You'll hear me crying. I just wanted to warn you. I'm Sam Walker, and this is American Vigilante, episode 11, Dee Dee. Before we get to Dee Dee, I just want to play you this. It was something I remember Casey telling me. It was after I'd asked him about how often he keeps in contact with the people he's rescued. I don't. You know, I've never really thought about this very much because, you know, I do a job and I go away. But I'm a memory of the worst thing that ever happened in a lot of these people's lives. I might be a good part of that. Me and my team are the the ones that gave them peace and brought them back. But at the same time, I'm still part of that memory. And I've never went out of my way to, to stay in contact with any other than one family. Um, there's three children that I recovered one time. Uh, they were just getting ready to be sold into white slavery. Uh, They were 7, 9, and 11. And they're all, you know, now in their late 20s and early 30s and have children. And I've stayed in contact with them over the years. Not too often, but I have. But they're kind of special to me. 
And so now, after a lot of understandable consideration on her part and us ensuring things like complete anonymity, and with the help of KC, a secure location for us to record, this is me talking to Dee Dee. Okay, let's just have a conversation. Yeah, okay. And I know he's right there, so he knows me. I think you trust me now, right, KC? Yes, ma'am, that's true, I do. You will hear KC at various points throughout this because he wanted to be there. And Dee Dee wanted him there too. She started off telling me about her life. Life before KC. Life before she, her brother and sister were taken. Very simple. Um, Not a lot of technology, always outside. Just happy, happy happy-go-lucky. You know, I had, my dog was my best friend. We had huge imaginations, so very happy, very much. But then, what happened to you? You know, it's really fuzzy on how it all started. Do you remember how you got there? Mm-mm. I don't. It's kind of like one of those things where, you know, you have a memory of being in one place and then boom, you, the next year and then another place. So it was kind of like that for me. So you remember being at home with your brother and sister and your dad, and then you remember being in this strange place. Can you remember anything about that place, about the people who were around you? I didn't like the way it felt. You'd sense they weren't good people. They didn't care about me or my sister um, or my brother. You know, there was no interest there in making sure that we were okay or that we had anything to live, really. Struggling to find something to eat at seven years old. It's hard. So they literally didn't even feed you? No, no, there was a lot of situations where we had to uh, just go around and ask for change just so we could walk down the highway a couple miles to go to the store to hopefully be able to buy a gallon of milk or a loaf of bread. You must have been terrified. You were a little girl and you were in a place with people you didn't know who, as you said, you instinctively knew they didn't care for you. Can you remember how you were feeling? Yeah, we were isolated. I mean, even though we were out in the open, we could go. We were isolated, you know. There was no phones anywhere. I didn't know anybody. I don't know anything at that point in time. I've grown up in the woods, you know. So I wasn't around a lot of people growing up, except for, like, my dad and my grandma and my brothers and sisters. And so to just be thrown around strangers was completely terrifying. I didn't know if it was right or wrong or left or right or up or down. Do you remember any conversations you had with your brother and sister at this time? Strangely, no. We didn't really talk to each other. We kind of isolated. We all kind of just shut down. I can't imagine you could do, as a small child, anything more but sit and cry. I did, a lot, yeah. I remember finding this big cardboard box And I really liked horses when I was little, so I cut it into a barn. I actually put it in the closet of the room that me and my sister and brother were staying in. And the room was so small that it only probably had about a foot on each side of the mattress. I remember it was super hot. There was no air or anything. It felt like you couldn't breathe, like the air was heavy. And I used to sit inside that box in the closet and cry for hours. I'd cry myself to sleep in that box. Did you have any any notion of how long 
you'd been away for? It felt like forever. It felt like I was, I felt like I was never going to see my dad again, you know, and it was terrifying. My dad, I'm the youngest, so I'm a huge daddy's girl, you know, it was every day with my dad, you know, and we weren't allowed to contact him. We weren't allowed to do anything. And I wanted nothing more just to hear his voice. That's it. So you're in this place, you're terrified, you have your siblings, but you're very alone. You're being neglected, you aren't being fed. What then happened? Because I understood you were separated from your brother and sister, is that right? Um, can you hold on one second? Of course. Tell them what you're comfortable talking to them about. Okay. 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 <clears throat> I remember hearing a knock at the door. And by this time, you know, we'd been there for a while, so we started to kind of get acquainted with some of the people. I was awake, my sister and my brother were asleep. I went out to see who was knocking and uh I looked out the window and I, I recognized who it was. And uh, I, I remember opening the door and uh, having a gun put to my head. And uh, I, I didn't know exactly what a gun was, but I just, I remember feeling terrified of it. Um, and at that moment, um, I was I was molested at gunpoint, and uh, I screamed for help the whole time, and I couldn't even think. I just knew I wanted to end. It was a. It, it's weird. It was a huge feeling of guilt, like I had done something wrong. It was hard. I'm so sorry. It was, um, it was really hard to talk about. Nobody knew about it for years. I'm sure you didn't even have the vocabulary to explain what had happened to you because you're a seven-year-old child. I didn't even know. I just knew that if I, if I felt guilty, I felt like I was going to get in trouble. I felt like I didn't know how to process anything. So. Oh, I love you. I love you. I'm so sorry that happened to you and I cannot begin to imagine getting through that actually that next day after it happened um was kind of the beginning of a very long angry road for me where before i was this shy quiet sweetest thing ever and then i remember the person that had done this had come back to the house and 
I remember seeing his face and he just had this nasty smirk and you know I'm not gonna lie I may or may not have taken a rake and hit him with it at seven years old I'd never I'd never done anything like that before I'd never done anything I but at that moment I didn't care I didn't care if he had a gun I didn't care what was gonna happen I didn't care I just, I, I hated him so much that I wanted to hurt him. You'd mentioned to me that there were the same few people around you. Were they, were they men, women? How many of them were there? There was men, women, children, older people, younger people. I mean, everybody knew what was going on. Everybody, everybody kind of knew and just, I, I guess would, I, the best way I could explain it now maybe is they were just keeping to themselves. You know, it wasn't their business, so they didn't want to mess with it. And some of these people had children that were our age that we would play with, you know? How does that make you feel now as a mother? Disgusted. Just to see three young children that you've never seen before just show up one day and be, you know, running around skinny and dirty, looking for food. You know, I, I remember there was a situation, me and my brother, we were so hungry that we ended up um, breaking into this lady's house and stealing her change jar. And that was really hard. That was really, really hard to have to do. I look back and I'm like, what other choice did we have? That's how you stayed alive, Dee Dee. It was very bleak at that moment. Of course. There wasn't a lot left of anything. It was just kind of living. You know, at the start of this whole thing, I just never imagined it would lead to this moment, to this horrifying story, this dark, unimaginable world. When we come back after the break, you'll hear about the moment that Dee Dee, her brother and her sister were rescued. Hello there, I am Tom Fordyce and I'm one of the producers on American Vigilante. I do hope you're enjoying the series. Now, if you need a break from KC and you're feeling peckish, why not try Factors No Prep No Mess Meals? They're a great way to meet your wellness goals in time for the summer, if it ever arrives, with chef-crafted meals like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus and Keto. Factor always makes fresh meals, never frozen. They're dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. And they taste really good. They've got loads of options from breakfast to dessert. There are 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from each week. Treat yourself to restaurant quality dishes with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp and blackened salmon. But all without prep and the cleaning up. Head to factormeals.com slash American50 and use code American50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. 
That's code American50 at factormeals.com slash American50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. So when the scammer uses the hypnotic method of building rapport, then they create dysfunctional, delusional reality. That's how a scam begins, convincing the mark that it makes perfect sense to hand over their money to a con artist. The Scams and Cons podcast tells you how scams are run. You'll hear how people are convinced to buy fake art, buy machines that print money, or steal your house. I get a phone call from my wife, and she let me know that they had decided to move all our stuff out. I can no longer do anything about it except go through an eviction. And you'll hear it from the experts, people who run the cons. So we go to your bank, you go in and get 6,000 cash, give us each 3,000, we give you this. Uh You go home and what you find out is cut up newspaper. It's fun to know how the trick is done, and that's what Scams and Cons is all about. Listen at scamsandcons.com or wherever fine podcasts are found. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts, or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Hello, this is Dr. Grande, the host of True Crime Psychology and Personality. On my podcast, I explore and explain the pathology behind some of the most horrendous crimes and those who commit them. We discuss topics like narcissism, psychopathy, sociopathy, and antisocial personality disorder from a scientifically informed perspective. What is a narcissist? How do you spot a sociopath? What signs can you look for to protect yourself from these dangerous personalities? It's not just about the stories, but also the science and psychology behind them. So if you're interested in true crime or mental health, I'd encourage you to give my show a listen wherever you get podcasts. When any of us tell a story, there's this innate urge to provide some sort of happy ending, a glimmer of hope. But as I've learned since speaking with him, Casey's stories aren't like that. They're raw, disturbing, upsetting. Even the happy moments like Dee Dee and her brother and sister being rescued. Now when Casey originally told me this story, It sounded like he went into that trailer alone. According to Dee Dee, that wasn't the case. I just remember waking up. I was laying up, me and my sister were on the floor, and I just remember waking up to my dad just picking us up. He just swooped us up, put us in the truck, and he just left. I'd never been so happy to see him in my life. We didn't take anything. He literally, in our pajamas, just swooped us up and took us. It's okay. It's okay. Do you, do you remember seeing Casey at that time? Yes, yeah, he was there. Um, my dad and him had actually come into the house that we were in. And we were dead asleep. And I just remember 
a loud knock at the door, and they didn't even wait for an answer. They literally just pushed that door open, and they just took us. Him and Casey, just, they just swooped us up and took us. No words. No nothing. My dad's my best friend, so to hear his voice was everything. I'm so sorry, Dee Dee. I'm sorry this is hard for you. I'm so sorry. You're really incredible. This is the happy time. This is peanut butter and jelly time. <laughs> so tell me about what you can remember about that trip home. It was, it was honestly the funnest car ride I think we've ever experienced in our lives. It was nothing but laughing and giggling and just goofing off the whole way home. The whole way home. And, and it, we'd built this, me and my brother and my sister built this bond with Casey that, you know, this family now. He's family. You've explained to me how you were essentially starved, but he told me about what my kids always called a car nick. We don't say picnic in a car, we call it a car nick. And you had, you had a car picnic or a car nick all the way home and you were eating one thing, is that right? Peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Yep. Yep. Can you remember getting home and what that felt like? I actually remember like it was yesterday we had just gotten up to the border of the state that we, we lived in. And uh, I remember me and my brother and my sister, we all kind of gave each other this look and we all shut our eyes and we just took a deep breath. And it was just, we were home and we knew it. I can't imagine, Dee Dee, what the next few days and weeks and months of your life were even like. But as years go by and your adult brain develops, I'm guessing a lot of questions come into your mind that you never even thought of before. Yeah, um, even to this day, there's still things that, you know, come across my mind. and A lot of things from that time in my life have taught me a lot of life lessons. You know, things that I've seen others use as excuses to... Um, fall too short in something I've used to push myself. I've used it to push me to be a better mother, to be a better friend, uh, to be a better sibling. I dealt with a lot of anger for a very long time that even to this day, I don't trust people at all. You know, I'm so paranoid of my kids going anywhere yeah, I don't let my kids ride their bikes outside without somebody out there, you know. Uh, it's just crazy to see how protective I am over my children now because of it. Because it would kill me if my children had to go through what I went through. Have you any idea of, of who took you? Um, I do, yeah. But it's not something that I'm 100% comfortable talking about so but I, I did know who they were what does he mean to you now Casey he is the closest thing to a father other than my father 
that's the way I look at him. My dad, to us, was the toughest man in the world. And then here comes another one, you know? And I remember, you know, there'd be nights my dad was working late or something, and we could just call Casey, and he didn't care what was going on. He'd just, he'd come right over, and he'd make us breakfast burritos and bring a beef jerky with him. And he'd just hang out. He'd hang out with us three kids and just talk about random stuff. I know he's sitting with you now. What do you want to tell him? Thank you. I love you. I love you too. You got beautiful kids. <laughs> They're pretty cute. <laughs> but I wonder, Dee Dee, if you've ever realized the impact that you had on his life. Finding you and your sister and brother gave him purpose for what he does. I've never thought about that. Because honestly, when I think of him, I think of my hero. You were the reason I started hunting children. You were the reason. Gave me a purpose. And how are you, Dee Dee? You've mentioned you're a mom, you've got a son and a daughter. How are you doing? Great, actually. Amazing. I'm, I'm getting married in two weeks. Wow. Um, yep. And, you know, we've got a beautiful home now and... We just keep pushing every day to get better and better. Is Casey at the wedding? Hopefully. There's a place at the table for him, right? Always. There's always a place. He doesn't have to call. He doesn't have to knock. There's always a place at my table for him. I'll be there. I'll be at your wedding. <laughs> Holy shit. I don't really know what to say. I don't really know where to begin. I don't know whether it was hearing her talk what she was telling me the fact that I'm a mother and my youngest daughter isn't much older was virtually the same age as her sister was at the time that that happened but oh my god for a child to have to go through that it's just horrific I don't really know how to process that. Oh, God. That young woman. To tell her story, as she just did, was so brave, so courageous. To relive the most horrific time of her life. 
how uncomfortable she was talking about it, how much she didn't want to talk about it, how it was painful to talk about it. And yet she was doing it for him. Because he'd asked her, would you talk to Sam? And she's never going to say no to him. Because essentially he gave her a life back. And when you come from a standing start with someone coming at you and going, hey, this is me, this is everything I've done with my life, you're like, really? What? Especially in this insane world of misinformation that we live in, you think, come on, critical thinking, need to do my due diligence here. It's really hard to express what I'm feeling, but there is something in there. This guilt. I feel a bit guilty that I ever doubted him. Next time on American Vigilante. In our final episode. Got a bit of an unusual situation today, though, don't we? So what else have you lied to me about? Has your perspective changed about me? I'm frightened by what you do. You can dial 911, you can dial me. I'm frightened by some of your behavior. And I care about you. If it turned out you're making all this up, I realized I'd feel betrayed. I want to give you a sincere apology. I'm sorry for bringing you into my world. Straight question. Is Dee Dee your daughter? If you've been affected by any of the issues spoken about, or you're worried about someone you love, do go to crowdnetwork.co.uk slash helplines to find a list of people that you can go to for help. American Vigilante is a Crowd Network original. It's presented by me, Sam Walker. It's produced by Phil Brown and Steve Jones. The executive producer for Crowd is Mike Carr, Associate producer for Stowaway Entertainment is Jeff Singer. The music we used is from our partners, BMG Production Music. If you want another crowd podcast to listen to, try Death of a Rockstar. It's the stories of Kurt Cobain, Whitney Houston, Bob Marley, John Lennon and more. All told like you've never heard them before. It's a series about being adored by millions, what it feels like and what it does to you. Go and search for Death of a Rockstar and have a listen. Crowd Network. A place where you belong. Something is introduce you to Barry Clue, an authorised financial advisor from New Zealand and a very special kind of stain on humanity. He was a very uh, knowledgeable young guy. He was a registered financial advisor. Type of guy that was bending over backwards to help you. Now you could be forgiven for thinking that Barry sounds like a great guy and you'd be right. Well, right up until the point when you're wrong. It was all fictitious. You stole from my son who has a disability. Chris never knew. He died believing that we're all taken care of. A psychopath is somebody who lacks empathy, acts impulsively. I think there's a strong case that Barry might be all of those things, actually. To find out how Barry Clue stole over $15 million from 81 victims, subscribe to Clueless, the long con. That's Clueless, spelt K-L-O-O-G-H-L-E-S-S. True terrors of horror, 
bizarre happenings, unexplainable events. On our podcast, Disturbed, Terror Takes Center Stage. Each episode is a journey into the darkest corners of human existence, delving into bone-chilling tales of kidnappings, serial killers, maniacs, and the very essence of your worst nightmares coming to life on this weekly true horror show. Disturbed is not for the faint of heart. It's an exploration of real, unadulterated horror sourced from everyday people. Each episode is a descent into the macabre, where we narrate stories that will leave you on the edge of your seat and crawling in your skin. We navigate the disturbing narratives that lurk in the shadows, offering a raw and unfiltered listen into the most terrifying aspects of the human experience. Enter at your own risk and let the unsettling tales unfold in the haunting realm of Disturbed. And remember, listeners, stay safe out there. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify, and all the usual suspects. My name is Bill Huffman, and I am a former Cleveland News producer. And I am now the host of the podcast, Who Killed? I began the show focusing on the unsolved murder of Amy Mihaljevic, and now each week I explore a different case with a focus on some of the victims who don't get the attention they deserve. I have a deep catalog of over 225 episodes, so there is a guarantee there will be something for you. Who Killed is an evergreen podcast, killer podcasts, and slow burn media production. Subscribe today wherever you get your favorite shows. The truth about the Haditha massacre has been covered up, but not anymore. I know you know what happened. They went into houses and killed women and children. What are you thinking? What a mess. U.S. Marines murdered innocent civilians in cold blood. And at the center of it all is 25-year-old Sergeant Frank Wooderick. And me. Murder in House 2. A new podcast from Crowd Network. Hi, this is Amy and Vanessa from She Goes by Jane, where we shine light on the stories of missing and unidentified women. On November 7th, we're sharing Nahida's story for the first time in a podcast. And this is a story that I thought I knew, but after reading police reports, became more complicated than I thought. When investigators are called to Nahida Khatib's house, everything looks fine. Her purse is on the kitchen table, her cup of coffee is on the counter, and her two-year-old niece is in her playpen. The only thing amiss? Nahida is missing. 
Every week, we feature a poem written in honor of the person we're talking about. This week, we're joined by one of our favorite actresses. You might know her from Sister Act or King of the Hill or The Descendants. But if you're like us, you'll know her from Hocus Pocus. She's the much-beloved Kathy Najimy. Join us November 7th to hear Nahida's story.